right, let's turn to the next part of today's program, and that is a bit of trash talk. So this week on Trash Talk, Park Fulham District Councillor Paul Zimmerman talks to Marcy Trent Long about his 20-year journey in designing Hong Kong and also protecting Hong Kong's waterfront and nature. Good morning, Trash Talk listeners. You know, every night I try to watch the sunset. I grew up in the desert, and it was a family tradition to take a moment to watch the amazing colors of the sunset. Here in Hong Kong, we are very lucky to be able to see the sunset with all the beautiful natural waters of our archipelago as a backdrop. Why am I talking about this today? Well, because Paul Zimmerman, who's with us today in the studio, has spent 20 years here in Hong Kong trying to protect its natural beauty including those sunsets, changes in the air. And Paul is here to tell us about it. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you're chairman of Drinks Without Waste. You started designing Hong Kong. You're a board member of Civic Exchange and, of course, Pak Fulam District Councilor for I'm not sure how many years. So tell me about your civic involvement, especially around environmental issues. For me, it all started after I'd sold my uh, my business, and I, uh, I I I started a new career, and I wasn't interested in just um, uh, kind of making money, just kind of be, be involved commercially. I was interested in doing other work, and the first project that came about was uh, fixing the harbour front of Victoria Harbour. Um, as a sailor, I, I, I knew the harbour front ah. from the water, and as a, as a motorcyclist, I knew the harbour front from the road. Huh. And it wasn't very good condition. A lot of places you couldn't get anywhere, and it was fenced off. And what year is this? Uh, that that's around two thousand two, two thousand and three. And so we started this project about designing Hong Kong Harbour District. Uh, which later on we dropped the words Harbour District it became designing Hong Kong. But it was designing Hong Kong Harbour District was all about fixing the harbour front and. The government responded by setting up in 2004 the Harbourfront Commission, so that it, 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 we organised basically a big debate around improving the harbourfront or what the value is for the city. If we do so, we invited people from uh, big harbourfronts like you know, Sydney and Boston to come over and and kind of like talk about it. and And government took it on; they uh, they kind of That's bought great. into it. and 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 now a lot of people who will be um, and have walked the waterfront of Victoria Harbour, uh, you know, whatever. From, I do all the time. You do all the time. Here you go. You know, from Tin Hao to you can now walk to Kennedy Town. And in a few years, you can walk all the way from Shao K1 to Kennedy Town. And government. Oh, wow. Re- yeah, no, and government recently adopted our proposal to uh, kind of get the connectivity to go all the way around Hong Kong Island, so 63, 64 kilometers, and they're working on it. So uh, we have updates regularly now from them, and uh, in a few years' time, you can actually really easily walk around uh, the island. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Paul Zimmerman. Well, I hope everybody enjoys it. I love how you... I always keep telling people it's a real selfish hobby because, I, you know, like... How do I improve my home? How do I improve the place that I work? How do I improve the place that I live? You know, so, um, yeah, it's kind of like making, I love hiking. I love the nature. I love our city and I love, I love wandering about, around our city. So to me, these urban issues, I kind of really care for them uh, because it 
makes my life better. Right. And aren't you doing a uh, coastal challenge or something? Yeah, we're working with some organizations, Trailwatch, uh, for a kind of a competitive element uh, for people to kind of enjoy the uh, the walk around Hong Kong Island. So, yeah, so people um, check out Trailwatch, check out the Coastal Challenge. People can participate. It's at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not a fixed time to start. It's kind of oh. like you can go and do it within your own time within that period that it takes place, which oh, is the, which is the the better months for hiking in Hong Kong, the I December know. period. It is so hot right now on those trails. Hmm. Unbearable. So when did you become a district councillor? And like, what were some of the... So there was 2010. 2010, uh, I became a district councillor in Pogfalam. And I will end my life as a district councillor by the end of this year. Sniff, uh, sniff. Well, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, people, uh, you know, people let, let you know that they uh, would appreciate if I stay on. But I can't. I mean, but I've enjoyed the district council work in Pogfalam. We've been able to do a lot of uh, uh, fantastic things. Um, yeah, you were you were pretty successful there. People really, you know. Well, one one thing is, like is really being the team. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, in my, in my office, Dennis has been really caring for the day to day communications with uh, with the residents, which allowed us to be really on top of everything, and people got a quick response. Um, and then on top of that, we had just a whole bunch of initiatives from you know planting trees, taking away chain link fences, and upgrading the area, uh, trying to defend this uh, the area from uh, reclamation in. That would block people's views, and so we had we had a lot of actions that we had taken to improve Pokfalam or defend it from destruction. And uh, some of them we won, and some of them we lose. But uh, you know, like, you know, we definitely hope that whatever we've lost, we've been able to get some improvements in the design of those developments. Huh. And if you had a, a wish list of what would happen next in terms of protecting the environment and stuff, either in Pak Fulam or... You know, protecting the environment, I'm actually at this moment not so worried as I was before because the uh, our big assets, the country parks, government has... It took them 10 years for, for, for us to run this Save Our Country Pass campaign together with all the other green groups um, and runner groups and, and hiking groups. Um, and government has said we're not going to touch the country parks for development. So that, that, that's good. Exactly. Uh, on the, when it comes to our waters, um, you know, there is a drive for more protected areas. Um, and, and so that there's a group that's working. It's, it's fantastic. And I think it will succeed in convincing government that we need to protect more of our waters. And, and the kind of the, the direct net fishing has gone and we can already see kind of uh, you know, uh, our waters improving in terms of sea life and so so that's that's in progress so i'm not so worried about that and on when it comes to air quality uh, our air is improving we have we have more electric vehicles and and government is really focused on it plus a lot of the factories have moved further inland and so overall the air quality is is improving so my focus with designing hong kong is on some other issues uh, and one is, and, and you know, as you refer to in the in your intro, is you defined Hong Kong as as basically a place with many many islands, and we yeah. are. Love we it. got two hundred and sixty some islands, which are larger than five hundred square meters. Um, we got a very very long coastline. Uh, it's probably about eleven hundred kilometers of coastline if you measure all the islands mm. and and the main island and and uh, Kowloon, Kowloon New territories. It's a very long coastline. 
but we're not really appreciating it. No, I don't think we take advantage of it at all, right? You know, there's a few hiking trails we have, but they're not always connected. I mean, Hong Kong Island, we're going to do now, but we're not really uh, everywhere. We're not really doing much about it. But um, where we're failing entirely, and we've we've looked at this um, in detail, is in the ability of people to own uh, water sports equipment and boats. Oh. So if you look at other countries and then people kind of, you know, the, the percentage of number of boats, and I don't know the numbers out of my head, but we find a much higher percentage of people that own boats and we see also a much wider range in sizes of boats that are being owned by the population. In Hong Kong, we, we tend to have a few rich people who own very yeah, large boats. Exactly. They're all and then we have a few bay. people that have like really cheap <laughs> stuff they don't mind gets damaged because there's no place to store it safely. Yeah. And so that middle group of people that own boats doesn't exist. And so that's a real shame because we got more water than land. Uh, and we got this fantastic coastline. But what it needs is at the government a, a support for that ownership. And when we go to the LCSD, they say, well, we've got a water sports centers where you can learn. And we say, fantastic. And then what next? Yeah. People, after they've learned, they want to own a little boat and keep it somewhere. Where can they keep it safely? That's not my job, they say. And then we go to the Marine Department and says, hey, how about you? You're responsible for Marine. And then the Marine Department says, we make sure that our waters are safe and we make sure that the boats people use are safe. Right. That's it. Oh, no, wait. And they make you take that test and they to make be you- a motorboat, which... I have failed three times. Oh, well, there you go. Well, uh, maybe it's people, really maybe it shows, maybe it shows that people <laughs> understand that Marine Department is doing a really good job. Keeping me out of the water. <laughs> keeping you over the water, but, and keeping it safe. But they are not there to facilitate recreational water sports, water recreation, uh, boat usage, and so on. They, Safety. They, they don't do that. Safety, and that's it. And they don't do anything else. So LCSD doesn't do it. Marine Department doesn't do it then who in government does it? Now, we raised this issue a long time ago, and we proposed a, a new marina for Tolo Harbour. Tolo Harbour, beautiful water body, very few boats. So we, we, we proposed a Pak Shekok that there could be a floating marina, and then it was a big discussion in the in the town planning board, but we lost the case, and it was pretty much the objection of the science park to this idea and government that who always have problems if... Proposals come from the outside. So now, and then 10 years later, there is a proposals for reclamations in, in Park Shekok, uh, Malia Shu, uh, for a new reclamation. And we, go, and we look at the, at the landline there, and it's just a straight line. And we're like, why can't you put a little marina in yeah, there? It's exactly. like, you know, a make a longer, shelter. make make a typhoon shelter, make a longer coastline. And, and they come back and say, well, the land is designated for, the new land is designated for Science Park and Science Park doesn't include marinas. And then the same is happening at Junk Bay. Again, a beautiful water body. People keep their boats in Eastern Channel. It's crammed out. It's filled with boats. But in the new reclamation, again, it's just a straight line and they don't keep the bay that right. is there already. So those are that's where I think there is, Hong Kong is missing out. And especially now we're talking about yeah, who, totally agree. what is Hong Kong in the future? Where are we? What are we going to, as a city, who are we going to be? Uh, it's, it's cheaper to eat in Shenzhen and party in Shenzhen. And I'm like, well... We are the best place for people to go out on the water, enjoy the water, uh. go scuba diving, sailing, go swimming and go hiking. We've got the country parks, but why do we make our waters not more easily accessible and really attractive? Something that Hong Kong has, 
So make it useful. So the question that we're now putting to government is, who's in charge of our waters, of the enjoyment of our oh, waters? Oh, interesting, right? So we're putting the questions to them, and, and, and we hope to stimulate a debate around this. And, and so this is one of our big campaigns uh, that, uh, that we're trying to kick into gear. Okay. Ah, so retiring in December from district council, but not stopping. No, the signing Hong Kong doesn't stop. I mean, we've got to continue. I love this city. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes it might be all kind of considerations for like, why would you stay in Hong Kong uh, when everything is changing so dramatically? Well, Hong Kong is a fantastic place to live. I agree. And, and you know, I've lived here for 40 years and I would love to continue to live until I pass to and to, and to go to a next place. I think Hong Kong is fantastic. Our waters and our mountains, the people, the food, it, it, it is great. And unfortunately, we have to deal with some political changes that we may not all agree with, but uh, it is a it's a fantastic place to live. So, how do we make it a better place to live? Um, uh, is is one of the uh, the yeah the what's, what what is going to keep me busy? Um, besides the uh, marine facilities, we're looking at waste reduction, and and I know trash talk is is your topic. So, <laughs> I probably have to touch it. So, one of our, one of the big ones is drink without waste uh, is an initiative that we're working on. It, and it really is uh, looking at how can we recycle plastics in Hong Kong. Uh, we have a very high percentage of recycling of paper and metal. And, and the reason very much is there is value on it. And basically the 18,000 refuse rooms in buildings and facilities around Hong Kong, the cleaners there, they keep metal and paper separate. But not plastic because it has no value. There's 5% of the plastic is plastic bottles. So we're looking with government and putting a value on those bottles. You know, with, uh, a deposit it, scheme. Yes, but we don't really want it to be a, a high deposit scheme forcing the consumers to bring it back to an RVM and stick the bottle in yeah. it. No, we want the bottle to go to the cleaners and make sure that the cleaners can earn money from keeping it se- for keeping it separate the same way to keep metal and paper separate. Okay, so maybe the cleaners would get the feed. And then, yeah, because if you make it too high, then the consumer wants to get it back. But if you're going to be at a more reasonable level, then people are happy to leave it for the cleaners. Right. And so that they are then starting to keep plastic separate as well. And once you keep plastic bottles separate within our refuse and recycling centers all around Hong Kong, it says that 18,000 of them is a lot. We're all the cleaners in Hong Kong, 400,000 of them, if you include the domestic helpers, 400,000 cleaners, more than 5% of the population cleaning this city and our houses and our offices and so on. That if we can work with them on recycling uh, and really do our successful paper and metal, why can't we be also successful with plastics? And starting with the plastic bottle as 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 a as a lead item into creating capacity for plastic recycling uh, within all those refuse rooms all around Hong Kong, so we can build up that capacity, and that would be great for the city. So that's something we're working on, and Hong Kong government is planning to go to LegCo with a policy paper later this year, and and with amendments to the law. Um, uh, Which law year. then? So they're looking at at exactly they're trying to produce a responsibility okay. uh, under that law to put a requirement on the producers to take back those or make sure that okay. plastic bottles come back. But they, they, what they're changing around for this particular legislation is to make it really produce a lot, putting the owners on them and very clearly and simply give them a percentage that 
there must be proof that that percentage of packaging has come back. So they will start saying that 40% has to be back the first year and then ramp it up to 70, 80% in the, in the years thereafter. And then it's up to the producers to organize it. Oh. And they're going to be very light on things like, okay, what's the deposit? You have to pay them. They'll say a minimum of 10 cents, but uh, they're not going it's to It's their it. problem. It's their problem. Not the government. It's not the, it's not the government. It's the, the producer's problem, and which is correct. Mm. And so we working with the producers say, okay, well, then the best way for it to be effective is start by building the capacity for res- recycling plastics using the plastic bottles in the waste rooms in with the cleaners who are already doing all our paper, who are already doing all our metal, and we can add the plastics on with them and, and through them. And by supporting them, then that would be a best way to build capacity for not just the plastic bottles, but for all plastics. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to the housing department before about that, about mm-hmm. whether they're designing the new public housing with bigger waste rooms, right? So yeah. that there is room for recycling and... I think they are, kind of, but big big is tough in Hong Kong, that's all. You know, and and what we haven't really picked up on, but uh, as as a community, is that the refuse room, what is technically called the refuse room in a housing estate. In each floor. uh, But in the bottom of the buildings, of all those buildings, those 18,000 properties we were talking about that have refuse rooms, they really are recycling headquarters. You walk in there oh, yeah. and you've, the cleaners have their lunch boxes there. They've got their chains, their clothes there. It's, it, they've got the, the recyclable <laughs> materials. They've got their roster, their manpower, bookkeeping. They've got everything there. And in, unfortunately, in Kwai Chung, government stopped the, uh, the cleaners from putting up pictures in the refuse room. But why did they put up their pictures there? It, it's not just their refuse room. It is their living room. It is their headquarters. <laughs> it's like, you know, so with, when we think about how we design our buildings and we want to support recycling and keeping the buildings clean, can we have facilities for the cleaners beyond the refuse rooms? <laughs> Maybe their own little locker. <laughs> Maybe their own, you know, designated. And that hasn't taken place yet. And so, yeah, that's definitely something that we need to sort out, recognizing the importance of the cleaners in handling our recyclables and our waste and making sure they get proper facilities, not just being uh, kind of a corner in the refuse room, which is, um, I think, some of the meaning. But it also shows that, this all is taking place in the dark. You know, it, no, people haven't, are not, have not acknowledged the importance of the cleaners as part of our whole recycling uh, network. And uh, they're doing such a great job with, pl- with paper and metal. Um, if they can also help with the plastic. It anyway, would be great. It would be fantastic. Well, Paul, you're still here. I'm so glad we verified that, Trash Talk listeners. So... Maybe no longer district councillor, but still the head of chairman of Drinks Without Waste, still the head of Designing Hong Kong, and still pushing for great ideas. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me today. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas, If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. 
Many thanks once again to Marcy Trent Long for this week's Trash Talk. A great chat with Pop Fulham District Councillor Paul Zimmerman and they were talking about his, wow, 20-year journey in designing Hong Kong and protecting Hong Kong's waterfront and nature.